Pop said time and his money ain't it I prayed over my watch and promised I wouldn't waste it No serving, it's no blurs, no vision tainted Nor is the hue on this inf beam, ain't shit adjacent I'm in a place where the aim is like trying to kill a basement The same basement I drew up on dreams in a basement Money loud like the only way we could live is blatant Until it muffles the crowd and then they get complacent J Rod, my man below the Sean, because you gotta put the in front of uh, the, the. <laughs> and me, the angry Puerto Rican. I have my Puerto Rican head on today. I need to wash it. Yep, we're we're going back to back. It is May twenty fourth, and this is officially going to be uh, episode eighty five of the Watching Wrestling Podcast. Um, you just heard from me yesterday um, on episode eighty four. Um, because I just been itching to talk to you guys about wrestling, and I just couldn't hold hold back anymore. And now I get the whole family with me. So hey, <laughs> we are right. here, and we have more wrestling to talk about. Because last night something something amazing happened last night in the midst of all the darkness that we've been do- dealing with for the past week. Yeah, it's inside been a outside of professional wrestling, like something amazing happened, and uh, we have to talk about it. Yeah, we just have to talk about it. <laughs> what we do but we uh we would be remiss if we didn't pay our respects to uh the gaspard family uh who was tragically lost in an absolutely heroic fashion um saving his son requesting the lifeguards to save him uh, before uh, unfortunately meeting his demise in venice well no they found him in venice beach right uh, but yeah. very, very unfortunate and sad accident. Um, but we send our best wishes to him uh, and the young lady. Uh, why can't I remember her name? What's her name? Uh, I can't pronounce it. That was the that I hadn't learned yet either. Um, yeah. Um, unfortunately, that young lady... Uh, very, very young. Uh, Excalibur did a fantastic um, tribute to her last night. Unfortunately, uh, she took her life uh, as she was been dealing with some issues overseas and unfortunately took her life too soon. Uh, lots of uh, wrestlers were paying their tributes to her. Uh, her name is Hana Kimura. Hana Kimura. Uh, we, yeah. Tough, tough times for the community, uh, for those with fans that identified with her. Uh, very telling about what's going on, especially how we talk about Twitter as a toxic place. Uh, mm-hmm. Some, uh, and it's not just as easy as turn off the phone or delete your account because uh, we see that when that does happen, it still has a lingering effect. So we just need to do better as a society. and. Uh, thoughts and prayers go out to both families that are affected by their tragic losses. And that will uh, go ahead and uh, lead into Double or Nothing. AEW's Double or Nothing took place last night on pay-per-view. On uh, pay-per-view. Traditional pay-per-view. The traditional $49.99 pay-per-view. Um, and we'll talk about the value of that later. But to me, this was, I, I put down here, and I said it a few times, but this is the goofiest $49.99 I've ever, played, I've ever paid for for a pay-per-view, and I was happy with every penny of it. 
I promise you I was. It was just, it was just much needed, you know? Yeah. Uh, it was, uh, like you said, there's the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, especially yeah. with everything that we dealt with this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get to see the buy-in, but I heard that was pretty damn good. Uh, uh, so the buy-in real quickly was um, the best friends versus private party. And that was for um, uh, a, ti- a chance at the title. Yeah. So the best friends went over. Uh, so they got the next shot at the AEW Tag Team uh, Championships. Um, this match included uh, a couple of big up, a couple of big ups to um, Crime Time and um, Chad yeah. Gaspert. Um, of course, there were the armbands, and then um, at one point in time, the Private Party did um, Crime Time's finishing move. The G nine, right? Yeah. yeah. They pulled that off. That was pretty dope. Yeah. Uh, Siri knew what, what, what kind of night we were in for just by them kind of setting it off. <laughs> they were, but the, the, the botches started there. <laughs> and, we, and we were going in, and it was just like, okay, here we go. This, this is what we're doing. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, best friends, that was the right choice. I mean, considering they've been laboring for a while. They've been coming off pretty well, picking up some momentum. So, especially with the increased popularity of uh, Orange Cassidy, as if he needed more popularity, right? Oh uh, for the true fans. But, yeah, I mean, just that putting them over finally just to let, let them get a shot at it. Again, I'm still happy that, you know, we still have the, the Elite uh, as the tag team champions, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, Hangman and – Yeah, that's uh, – yeah. yeah. Just to pause for one quick second when we're talking about um, Orange Cassidy. I know we're going in his pay-per-view, but if you have not seen it, Watch the match he had on last Wednesday's Dynamite with Phoenix, because mm. that was legit one of the a most surprising, but most enjoyable TV wrestling matches that I've seen in quite some time. Just from an energy standpoint, in an empty building, no less. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and it just it celebrates how surprisingly talented Orange Cassidy is and why he's so over. Yeah, everybody looks at it as just as a gimmick with the you know the light the 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 light kicks the light heavy kicks and all yeah. of a sudden uh, yeah no and guy can go um, so that was pretty dope. Orange Cassidy is a hustler. He oh. waited until he, he waited until he got the bag secured before he gave it all away. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you can't get this. And he still only gives it away like right. You know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that led us right into the opening match, which, which was, again, this is what they did the last time, man. This was a different feel, I mean, kind of money in the bank-esque with this yeah. big-ass poker chip. Yeah, but, money uh, in the bank type ladder match with, like, a, a Royal Rumble feel, letting people kind of come in every two minutes. Hey, I like it. It's better than, because we, we com- um, not complain, but more criticized or offered constructive criticism. Uh, during last year's Double or Nothing when they had – it was according to the suit of cards and then all these wrestlers would come out. Yeah, basically like 10 wrestlers at a time, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this was this was a much better much better thing. Oh, look at that. Are you zooming in? <laughs> no, my, camera, my camera follows my, my – I'm sorry to be fancy, but my camera follows my <laughs> It looked like you were about to say something dramatic. I was like, okay, let me pause here. But one thing I really enjoyed about this match that – um, kind of highlights the kind of times we're in. And I'm just going to speak for myself. I totally forgot about Brian Cage's existence. Straight yeah. up. Prior to that moment. 
I, I thought and, about that you know, too. I thought about if there wasn't something going on, we would have enough time in our hands to wonder like, hmm, what happened right, to Brian Cage? Right. Forgot about him. And it was like, you know, the time of, that we're in and we're only paying attention to a small number of stars. Um, yeah, we totally forgot about the rumors of Brian he, Cage coming it, out. Of, I mean, we saw it. I mean, it wasn't in an earlier post, like earlier this year that there was a post that, they, that he had signed and everybody was like, Nah, everybody. Well, his wife came out and was like, yo, bro, chill. Yeah, no. his, his official manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the boss, man. Come on now. The boss, yeah. Uh, but no, it was a very entertaining match that featured nine participants. Uh, Brian Cage being the ninth, right? He was the surprise yeah. entrant. Yeah. Uh, we, so saw people, is- we saw people put in their two cents that, oh, man, let's hope it's Drew Gulak or it's uh, all these other cats. I'm like, Gulak's nah. in negotiations to come back. So, one, let's yeah. stop that. I was like, every, there was nobody else that was going to come. Um, well, you know, so the, the educated wrestling mark would know that this match was just basically a backdrop for whatever new signing that they were bringing in. So this is kind of like, especially, with, especially yeah. with that Royal Rumble kind of thing where you kind of introduce one player at a time. Yeah. It's like you should have seen it coming. Now, yeah. the other biggest surprise would probably be uh, Taz being the manager. Which is really, really interesting. But uh, I'm, I'm all for it. I love it. I love it. All for it. The only thing that I, if I was to call anything a negative about it, as soon as there was a mystery person, you knew that person was winning the match. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, and as soon as Brian Cage came out, I was like, well, they might as well just all separate and just let him walk up and (laughs) grab it like Brock did and walk away. (laughs) But they still still made it pretty interesting. But they made the most of it. They, yeah, no, they, no, they, they let him get off a little bit, and then they literally buried him with, with furniture <laughs> and effectively took him out of the match. Um, isn't, that they, isn't that what they did to uh, Braun Strowman at the uh, Money in the Bank last yeah. year? So, no, I mean, there's definitely some shots fired oh, yeah. in, in terms of that. <laughs> no, but it was, it was really good. I think you've had some impressive so, debuts. So, so Joy Danella's run was really good. What about sexy Chucky T's uh, feet? Because he decided to come out barefoot for some reason. I, I, some <laughs> like, of it's just, I think it. I think it had to be just com- for comedic value. Because hey, Chuck, you still have a job to do, guy. Oh you yeah, still that's have to right. wrestle for the titles in a couple. I don't know how long, but I mean, don't want to mess with Chucky T needs to just go ahead and start the, his his only feet only fans. Just oh. kill it. <laughs> Stop. Stop. You know, that's that's something that Xavier Woods said uh, too, as well, because he got a a package, a crate box from Mortal Kombat for the Mm -hmm. aftermath, and they sent him some slippers. Look at the slippers on my feet. The only time you get to see these feet for free, and now I'm my OnlyFans. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past him. (laughs) Let's. uh, (laughs) It was a really, really funny match. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Havoc coming out on it. Uh, I like so a lot of people don't do not like Jimmy Havoc's new role, and they kind of contributed to like, okay, these guys that we love from the Indies are coming over to A and W and not living up to their full potential. Um, but these guys kind of have to stretch out their potential. I mean, like when you're on the Indies, all you really get to do is wrestle. Yeah. Right. But if you want to show like other parts of your personality, other parts of your character. Like and you're on television. Like now, it's, now it's the time to do it. And I love where they're kind of going with Jimmy Havoc, kind of being like this mentor to um, 
Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian. So, yeah. um, well, another thing that it brings up is these guys who, you know, people are, I guess, disappointed in their booking right now as it relates to AEW. Look at what they're doing in the Indies when they're traveling. Mm-hmm. These guys are all main eventers now on the Indies, which means more bags for them. Mm-hmm. And their merch is selling out. So while it may not benefit them as it relates to status on the card, it's doing much more for them outside of AEW um, than I think we recognize, and which is why I think you don't hear anybody beefing about it, like as it relates to them backstage, like, oh, I want a higher position. Yeah, I got my bag. I'm good. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's going to be like that. Like, you know, this is the payoff for them. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if they want to continue their legacy in a certain way, they can. If they want to create a new legacy, they want to create another leg of their career, this is also an opportunity to do so because now they have a little bit of dough, you know, saying they're, they're, they're more comfortable. They can kind of stretch out and, you know, say do different things. And, you know, so we talked about, you know, what we suspect AEW contracts are like is in terms of the two tiers. Um, it yeah. just gives these wrestlers a lot of freedom, you know, that they didn't have before when they had to, you know, say do whatever a promotion wanted them to do in order to get the, the penis that they got. Or alternatively, if they're with the WWE, and we already know what that system is like, you know? For sure. This is the land of the free. <laughs> and if you're really, you know, a fan of these guys, you support them in their freedom and not continue to pinhole them the way that other promotions and other situations have pinholed them before. For sure. For sure. Um, but um, we're pretty much, we're happy with the uh, the result of this match? Sure. Sure. And, <laughs> you, you, you can't argue with it, man. I'm like, I mean, it was, it was, I thought it was great. Brian Cage is, is, is probably being in it, most of these guys are signed, he's probably like the hottest free agent. True free yeah. agent out there. Sure. For sure. You you sign the highest two free agent out there and you do something with them. Immediately. <laughs> yeah. There's no questions asked on that. And um uh, spoiler, um, yeah, we're getting Brian Cage versus uh John Moxley for the title at Fighter Fest. Oh man. <laughs> so it's already booked. It's gonna be great. <laughs> it really is. I don't even want to ref in that match, man. <laughs> you don't need I'm to dead serious. I'm dead cinematic. serious. I, I don't want to match. Make a cinematic where they walk into a bar and destroy the entire block, trying to kill each other. I'm, I'm good with that because now Never we have, is left standing. I'm good with that because now we actually have proof from this pay-per-view alone that they can do a good bar fight. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll touch base on that. We'll get back. That yeah. was foreshadowing. But before, <laughs> but before we move on from this match, yeah. I do want a, us to touch on – the use of managers, you know, when you're talking about Taz with uh, Brian Cage, the use of managers in AEW is just phenomenal as it relates to how they're using, we'll say, legends. You know, right now, um, they could be doing some real goofy stuff with these legends, um, but they're choosing to do the right things. Yes, they're, they're using their star power to be on TV, but not overshadowing the stars that are actually putting in the work in the ring, which is amazing to me to see um, because that's something I've gotten tired of seeing across the board, you know, back from the TNA days, you know, just the oldest, you know, Ric Flair upstaging Jay Lethal back in the day, you know, that kind of thing. 
right. you know, you know, it, seeing Taz with him, you know, it, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, and, you know, the Jake the Snake and whoever is sitting back making these pairings up is some kind of weird evil genius because it, it, you don't recognize it at first. You like tilt your head like, mm, but then it just makes perfect sense once you really grasp it. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, I, I want to touch base later on as we touch, get to that match with Jake the Snake. Is that kind of, no, I'll, I'll elaborate once we get there. Okay. Definitely. Uh, but uh, it, was, it was a great match. Brian Cage takes the giant poker chip. I was hoping it would open up. <laughs> just to <piss> everybody <laughs> um, But uh, it was a great match that led us into the next match, which was one of my favorites. Uh, and that was Jungle Boy versus MJF. I thought they put on a phenomenal show. So everybody who thought foolishly that MJF was just this one-trick pony, um, who thought that he was just going to be a talker and he wasn't going to be pretty much anything else and he definitely didn't show you anything inside of the ring, gave it to you. He gave it to you. I'll admit guilt right now. Because <laughs> I, I literally I I I blasted on Twitter like five, like at least once a month. Like, dude, you gonna wrestle a good match or what? Yeah, right. yeah, he should shut me up. I I'm literally I AAW all the I, I haven't seen like a good singles match out of him. And like Orange Cassidy, he saved it until he got the bag. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you yeah, know, he, it was a phenomenal match. Best MJF match to date. Facts. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Probably the best dance partner that he could have. But you understand the dynamic of how you got to have, you know, saying a guy like Jungle Boy Jack or like either somebody his size or that size differential, that strength differential in order to, you know, say kind of flex your skills and show what you're really about. And the other aspects that he added to that match, just being that heel, faking the injury, the eye pokes, you know what I'm saying? The taunting, everything just phenomenal. Perfect. He, He studies. This, this highlighted, this is the contrast to what we talk about when it comes to the other company. Um, they put on full display what the future of this company is going to be. The future of this flagship franchise with these guys. Mm-hmm. And it was out in full, in full view for everyone to see that this is, like you said, I mean, MJF is not a one-trick pony. Jungle Boy is not just... Some dude that looks like an extra from uh, Georgia the Jungle. The dude can he can really go and he can wrestle. So, now cool. That's twenty four and twenty two years old respectively. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> and that's something that we don't see everywhere else. It's like you see it for like a very glimpse, and then they're they're gone. Mm-hmm. And the, here, right to the second match of your already loaded play, um, pay per view. I mean, shit, man, they put on a phenomenal show. It was like it was one of those situations like it happened where um revolution where it was like the, the young bucks and the Kenny Omega and the match that would follow that was like ooh, it was they really did good. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, I, I don't have any bad this is probably the, like the one match that didn't have any mistakes in it at all that I that I noticed. And I like the way it ended. Yeah. With like neither one of them not to be able to use their finishers and you know having to bust out another move in order to get the job done. So yeah, I love this match. 
This is a clinic. 24 and 22. I want to know who produced this match. Hmm. They deserve a medal. Let's just say, let's just say Tony did. <laughs> yeah, let's just say Tony did it. Let's just say Tony, Tony did. did. At this point, we need to start just, it's Tony. Until somebody legitimately comes out and says they're booking for this, we're going to just say Tony Khan. Thank you. Well, there's a difference between booking and producing. Like, producing is like going over the moves and what they're going to do. Like, the choreography in this match was just insane. I don't think they're. I don't think they're strangers. I think this is something that they've been on the, in, on the Indies before. Okay. So I think you know. So when I when I saw the booking for this match, I was just like, okay, this makes sense. They they have to go out there and kill it. Yeah. Because it's just too. And that's that's the thing we've already kind of credited for. AEW will not hold two guys apart from each other who have worked together before. They'll let them go in there and do what they do best. And like I said, I think this. I think this is a a program that, that may have been seen on the Indies before. So they had to go out there and kill it because they are a testament they, to that. They know what they're doing. A testament to that was the Lucha Brothers and the um, and uh, the Young Bucks right off the exactly. bat. So exactly. You got history. Come and showcase it. It's not like it was with AJ and Nakamura, which coincidentally Friday night was probably better than any match they've ever put on in the company. Period. But that's another day and another time. But yeah. I'm, they haven't failed us when it comes to pay-per-views. They really haven't. So it's yeah, like, actually, yeah, you're, you're you're right on that. I mean, they're 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 shooting 100 percent from from the field. So it's and like, when you're only doing four a year, right? I mean, there's there's pressure to to be consistent, like we've always talked about. Uh, but I mean, you've got four months, you got three months, four months of storytelling to get, to finally reach culmination with these pay-per-views, and it doesn't seem like it's the same matches even after these pay-per-views, after the storyline supposedly hits, you know, the end or it pays off. It's like there's, there's continuity with what they're doing. And, yeah, A-plus for me. That was a great, great match. And that led us into <laughs> the TNT championship match, which we should preface is not the final belt that we saw. They did mention it ad nauseum during the broadcast that this is not the finished version of it. There will be some gold involved in it. So we'll wait to see what, you know. I think there's a picture up already of okay. it. And it does look like years better than what was on the pay-per-view. So I mean, they had no choice. And they brought, they blamed it on COVID-19, which was, I mean, absolutely, because the platers who usually do the belts are probably not around doing shit. You know, you have what you have and that's it. Um, but no, I mean, Cody, uh, we saw throughout the weeks leading up to this pay-per-view that it was a part of a tournament. Uh, and then we've seen it with the new introduction for the belts. I, I am very happy with that. Um, with each belt that they've introduced, they've had a tournament leading into that match. Uh, and and this, that's a great. We said that on the show before. Yeah. Make it wide open. Don't just assume right away Cody versus Kenny. And it's like, it's, you can't. You got to open it up, showcase your entire roster, your talent. Um, and we saw this with uh, Lance Archer, <laughs> who has been fantastic. You saw Mike Tyson, Iron Mike Tyson, who's uh looks like he's on the verge of a comeback. Uh, Grandpa, Iron Mike Tyson. <laughs> you go ahead. After what he did with that sparring session, you go ahead and call him Grandpa. He'll put you to bed early. <laughs> <laughs> go to bed early. 
Uh, that was but, very. That was just very unfortunate. Um, first of all, him coming out to the ring with the title, and then being immediately followed by uh, <laughs> um, being immediately followed by you know what's his face coming to the ring and chokes out of somebody like initially, and just like that look on his face. That's a meme. <laughs> oh yeah, that's forever. It was an instant. It was an instant meme last night. Oh, like, oh man. We're like oh. The Michaels never learn. No. Yeah. Jordan, for the last 10 weeks or ten, uh, five weeks with these 10 episodes, there's a meme every week. And Tyson comes out, hey, as long as it scares a bag for him, he doesn't care. It's just yeah. very unfortunate that the untimely decision to put the, the camera on Mike Tyson just as he was giving out the good, healthy yawn. <laughs> you know what that reminded me of? Um, back when... Griffey was playing with the socks, and they caught him taking a nap in the dugout. Yes. <laughs> I was like, man, that's my hero right there, taking a nap, yo. <laughs> Heroes need sleep, too, though. <laughs> I was like, yo, why didn't he that's go time. to the clubhouse? If that, was the worst thing did, if that was the worst thing that he did during a career, kudos to him. Right, man, it pretty much era was. That <laughs> have done so much worse. Including the, including the entire Red Sox team of '03 '04 when they were drinking beers during the, the, during the game, <laughs> or anything that Astros done in the last three years, maybe. <laughs> this podcast will always be and always be for the message that fuck the Houston Astros. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you have to forgive me. We had food delivered from a local local business, not these big uh, chain restaurants, but local business, and it's phenomenal. We got to go here. We're going to try to get them to let us record there. You mean like that local spot Portillo's opening up down the street? Don't even get me started on this. <laughs> I've been I've been protesting this shit since day one. Out of all the fucking streets that you have to put this bitch in. there like, that's what you Addison. need on Addison of all places. <laughs> put it in the fucking Kmart where you got a giant-ass parking lot. You're going to put it on the fucking oh, corner of Addison and Kimball, which is absolutely... Always under construction. It shit is. I was just like, wow. That's like, fuck awful. this shit, man. I still can't Honestly. imagine like how they broke down for it on it yet. I still can't no, they imagine. They start next week. Yeah. They start next week, June first. I'm not seeing next week because I drive by there all the time. I can't imagine the White Castle is right there, which is yeah. already hard to get to. No, no, it's, it's um that copy and paint. Remember, it was an office supplies place for a while. Oh, that's okay. So it's in front of where that lockup is, the storage is. Yeah, and it's right Whoa. where all the cabs convene and pick up and stuff like that. Right. Okay. They finally sold that spot. Yeah. Damn. Good job. Fucking ass. Addison Street, <laughs> out of all the fucking places. Fuck that. Yeah. They're building something here too. I think it's another restaurant, and it would make sense, but it kind of looks like a bone of beef, right there on Belmont and Western. It would be convenient that it's right down the street from Portillo's and they'll get my money because I can avoid traffic on Belmont before I can avoid traffic on Addis. <laughs> <laughs> For all you people are in Chicago, I think that beef is about to get a lot more a lot more strict too during this pandemic and how everybody but Chicago seems to be loosening up their restrictions. And like, nah, if you say you're from Schaumburg, you're fucking from Schaumburg. You're not from Chicago. You're not going through what we're going through right now. Yeah, you better claim it now. Yeah, you better call 
AEW, you better be listening. You better call that shit Hoffman Estates. <laughs> Don't do it. Um, but this was a really Lance Arm, Arm uh, Archer, Lance Armstrong, Jesus Christ. Uh, Lance Archer was just a dominant dude throughout this entire match. All, and especially with the camera angles where he was just staring and yelling into the cameras. I was like, I, yeah, I, I hope Cody survives this in one piece. <laughs> I love Lance Archer. Yeah. Ever since, like, ever since his KES days, like, <laughs> that dude is just so intense all the time. And at 43 years old, 6'7", 270 pounds, um, tight roping and doing um, flips off the rope. Like, yeah, that's the guy. So now now that we've arrived at this match and we talk about managers, did it bother anybody that Jake the Snake just disappeared throughout the match? Through the match? I mm. mean, it was like he's been booked very successfully throughout TNA and New Japan without Jake the Snake. So it's like. I thought it was just kind of weird, a weird booking. And then all it took was old ass Mike, Mike Tyson. You got a snake, man. <laughs> I just, I just. It was, it to me, it was Arn Anderson saying it could be a spawn buster. It could be a DDT. It could be this. It could be that. And then, like, nothing happening. Like, that's not the swerve that you really want to go for. It's not like I want to see these old guys mix it up too right. much. Right. You know what I'm saying? Save the spine buster for a special occasion. Save the DDT if Jake's still got a DDT in him, <laughs> which he doesn't look like he does. Oh, man. No, I don't think he does either. But, I mean, if you're going to do – I mean, save it for a real special occasion, but don't be like, oh, you don't know what's going to happen. For Only the must be to happen. the Jacksonville Costco's in one of those, you know, those carts. <laughs> mobile cars because it looks like it hurts just to walk yeah and uh, it's like this uh, uh. I, all, 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 all that shit aside it was it was a really good match it was it helped it, it you know what helped the, you know the finish with it was you know everything that Cody showed after it was all said and done uh, the emotion that came with it because we've seen mm-hmm. we've seen the emotion we kind of you know, like eh when it came to him and his brother, the crying and, you know, the blood all over his face and stuff. Right. Like, eh. But uh, this was pretty dope, the way that he did it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the outcome of Darby Allen being set up to get his win back from Cody and win the title. Or versus, versus I'd like Archer, them to hold off on that. Versus Archer getting the belt, like, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you also have... He also have another adversary that he can get was MJF again going for that belt. It would seem that and within his character just to take something from Cody right away. It'll be it'll, it'll be some some title defenses there. Um, my I would like on, to see. All. Go ahead. My, my my money's on Darby at the end of the day. Yeah, Darby's not calling it too, not calling it too soon, but Darby's got to be the one to take that belt off of Cody. I don't understand how we didn't mention the fact that he just jumped off a fucking ladder with a skateboard and just dove into nobody. <laughs> he, he definitely is the new Jeff Hardy, but like that, him doing that and then like, you know, injuring his ankle was to tell for me that he wasn't winning that match and somebody else, like that that person that was going to be at the end was going probably to right. be the one. That was, that was a tell for me. Yeah. 
I was like, oh shit, there goes his, there goes his good knee. <laughs> that's, that's his plant knee for his coffin. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was good. It'll be, um, I want to see what the direction is now for Lance Archer going forward. Um, so we'll see what they have planned. I'd like to see Cody do like an open challenge with this belt. That would be cool. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. You know, and, and, and Cody's the kind of character that would do that. Yeah. And he's, know, a good dance each, partner for, he's a good each, dance partner for putting new people over, too. Yeah, just each week, bring out, you know, hey, who's next? And that would be good for the, you know, down the line when, you know, some of these guys is, you know, 90 days is up if they're actually coming by, like, you know, the Matt Cardona's, you know, of the world, you know. Uh, you know, not to go to comparison to WWE, but you know the fun that we had during Cena's um, reign as US champ when he was doing the Open Challenge. And you never knew who would come out. Exactly. If he can do what Cena did for that US title, oh, and he probably will. Yeah. I admit, initially when I you know saw the match and saw the finish, I was a little turned off by the result, considering how hard they pushed Lance Archer. And unfortunately, that's the person who's been watching WWE for the last 25 years in me, because that's something that WWE all the time, they, they push somebody new real fast and they give them a belt right away because they don't want to, you know, you know, make them look weak as soon as they get in kind of shit. Um, but yeah, Cody's definitely in the right choice to have this belt, especially on TV. Agreed. Especially after evolution I, I would say that he, he's been rising which is oh, yeah. crazy to talk over crazy to even say but his popularity has even risen after that great match now I mean, even all the gauntlet matches he had to get to mjf his star has been rising since february so it was really good to see um that match uh that leads us into chris statlander versus penelope ford which was this was originally supposed to be Britt baker's spot correct until she uh she has an LCL sprain, if I'm not mistaken. It's a tear. Oh, it's, it's a tear? Yeah, so she's going to be out for a significant amount of time. Yeah, the, the, Tony said 68, 68, six, six to eight weeks on um, Britt Baker. Mm. It's a lot better than an ACL, which would it seem like. Yeah. Yeah, but um, luckily for her, it's not um, – it's, it's a crazy injury to have, especially somebody just trying to do like, – like German suplexes, you got to have both knees working pretty well <laughs> to do something like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we saw um, Penelope Ford, who was actually injured in a, in the match earlier, because she came out with uh, Kip Sabian. Yeah, she took a bump. She took a bump uh, with the ladder match, uh, but um, it was her versus Statlander. Um, Statlander ends up winning, but we do have a. Do you want to talk about that now? Yeah, we have to we have to spend some time here. Um, <laughs> Rod, don't sound so excited, man. Well, we got to deal with a thing um, because I know I've been critical of Jr. being on commentary. Um, the thing about it is, is that this was a pay per view, so this is where I would I would want Noah Jr. Um, but because we've been getting him every week on AEW. Um, and then we're also getting, like, he hasn't taken a break since he started commentating for AEW. And um, as great as the legend JR is, and as, as much as I love to hear his voice, 
mm-hmm. on, on commentary. It's just, you know, it's just it epitomizes, you know, professional wrestling to just to hear his voice on commentary. Um, it it kind of overstays his welcome and it, it kind of gets into these sticky situations like um, he got into this match. I know there's a few things that he said during his pay-per-view that were kind of cringeworthy, but he says a lot of cringeworthy things week in and week out. Um, I've always said that JR is definitely, you know, the top executive producer of, you know, television and of commentary, you know, and and being the guy to mentor, you know, saying that the guys are coming up like the Excaliburs of the world, you know? Um, that's definitely where I see his role. And then every once in a while, we would get, you know, send JR on commentary for pay-per-views or maybe even just for specific matches. Um, he definitely doesn't need to be there for every match. And it's looking like um, he probably doesn't need to be there for women's matches. Because um, this is seems like where he makes the most mistakes. He made a comment. And to JR's credit, um, he tried to make it as PC as possible. Um, by saying, you know, he, he prefaced, he, he's going to say what he's going to say. He prefaced it by saying, like, you know, no offense. I'm not trying to, you know, offend anybody here. not trying to say anything wrong. But Chris, Lander, Chris Statlander is a big woman. And he went, went on to explain what he meant by that. Um, when he said Chris Statlander is a big woman, I understood exactly what he was trying to say. But I also knew that, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> it's going to happen. And um, I personally engaged in a conversation with somebody on Twitter, um, or actually a couple of women on Twitter who had a problem with this, um, just to get more insight on, you know, just to get their perspective. Because like I said, this is a guy, you know, saying with two other guys commentating on a women's match, we are three guys having a conversation about, you know, um, this particular issue. You had to get a woman's perspective on this one. For sure. Um, so I, I did have a conversation. I just want to shout out a couple of people who kind of contributed to this. Um, one being Mishy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Mishy Mish uh, X3 at, uh, on Twitter. Yep. Um, and the other one whose Twitter handle just says Queen of the Ring. Yeah. Um, they definitely had a problem with the big comment. Um, it wasn't lost on them what he was trying to say. But, you know, saying, you know, saying some of the worst things that you can say are, you know, saying can't be paid with, you know, saying good intentions. But it's just those intentions are not what kind of come across in those moments or whatever, unfortunately. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Had he not prefaced it, would it have gone over better? No. I, I, I don't think it's more preface. It's more that... It's, it's kind of like that. It's an old dog, and he's trying to learn, learn new yeah. tricks. On how to get, and but it's kind of like that word, you know, no disrespect, but, you know. Yeah. You, just, you know, you preface something in that form. Whatever you say afterwards has a chance of not being received well. Well, this is, mm-hmm. this is, a, this is a testament to what Gerard has preached on this uh, podcast for several times. Um, you have to have somebody smarter in the room with you. Um, get somebody who is you know, who can speak on that behalf of the female wrestlers, the non-binary wrestler, wrestling fans that are, you know, actively engaging on Twitter. We see it, I mean, we see it daily. That it's not just, 
you know, dudes that look like us that are, are watching uh, wrestling. It's it's a lot. They have a lot of fans. It ha- holds no gender. It's wide open to a huge fan base. Uh, but at some point, you can't just sit there and apologize and continue to be tone deaf. Invite some of those people in there to have a conversation to better educate yourself on, you know, to kind of navigate. Because, I mean, we see it all the time. I mean, there's just blatant shit. And then there's stuff like this where it's like, it's kind of, you're kind of like maybe on so, the fence about it. So let's talk about that because I actually uh, named the subject on our on our um, outline as the difference between uh, a Jim Ross and a Jim Cornette. <laughs> yeah. Because clearly there is a difference there. Uh, so, I mean, basically what Ray is saying is that, you know, there's a difference between somebody who just doesn't want to offend somebody but just doesn't have the right word or the right term. He just doesn't, he, his vernacular is not up there. Exactly. Not, and somebody who just goes out of their way just to be a, just to be a jackass. Yeah. And it's just ignorance and malice. I think that's the difference. Yeah. Very well said. Um, you know, um, so JR knows like almost immediately when he says something, oh shit, I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but Jim Cornette, A, you know, says it on purpose what he says. And, also never even tries to see the other side once it's pointed out to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he rides with it, like doubles down on it. Like, nah, that's what I said. And I'm right. Mega. Sorry. Right. Um, so I'm going another to, part I'm, of it. Okay, go ahead. I, I think, and Jim Cornette's been this for a while. We've just kind of, I guess, up to this point, let it go uh, up until recently where Jim Cornette says shit just to say shit, you know, to be that, you know, controversial person in the room to get, you know, like the old school 80s uh, shock jocks on the radio. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Assholes like Um, and dickheads like that, you know? Yeah. But I mean, here's here's my statement on um, Jim Cornette Um, with the recent comments and I didn't need to hear them or see them to know, just knowing that it came from Jim Cornette and that it rubbed people the wrong way. And for Seth Rollins to actually make, he made Seth Rollins good at Twitter that day. <laughs> Which when he put out that statement, defending his wife, you know saying, and defending, you know saying women, you know, who get treated like and talked about in that, in that manner. I didn't need to know what he said, but I, I feel like at this point, um, it's the lowest of the low, and I'm not calling on cancel culture. Forget those guys, <laughs> but it's time to stop giving Jim Cornette money. At this point, yeah, especially if you're these smaller promotions, you got to stop. I'm I'm talking all the way around because at this point, if you're Jim Cornette, is just not going to learn. He's toxic. He refuses to. He's not interested in doing so. So now we can't hold Jim Cornette accountable anymore because he's not going to hold himself accountable. We can't count on that for him. Agreed. So if you want to continue to do business with Jim Cornette, then we just have to assume that you're part of that circle. That, you know, saying you're willing to forgive this and let it move on. Jim Cornette is a, is a great, he's probably one of the greatest wrestling historians alive. Probably one of the few people who's been there 
been to the final wall in every room, in every back office, every promotion, probably has all the secrets and all the answers that we're looking for, you know? And plus, just his general love for wrestling and the fact that he has practically a wrestling museum in his attic in his house. I mean, he, he is one of the greatest wrestling minds and one of the greatest his, wrestling historians still alive today. But he tarnishes that with, with his opinions. With, his, with that and his antics, yeah. Absolutely. I have, I have no doubt in my mind that if he can keep his asshole comments to himself and be an, another guy that we wouldn't use as a personality versus, you know, a, a backstage player, a producer, you know, so not even for wrestling promotions or television, even like the little Viceland, you know, um, Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, the Dark Side of the Ring stuff that he does. He's great on those shows. Absolutely. But even I'm going to look at Viceland funny if we see Jim Cornette on season three. For sure. Because at the end of the day, yeah. this is a guy who's just not going to learn. So if you associate with him, you do business with him, then on a certain level, you have to share the same values that he shares. And if you don't, it's time to cut him off. Obviously, he, he probably just has all the money that he needs. He doesn't need any more because he just refuses to learn the lesson. You can't just say this shit anymore. No. I'll give it to you. It was a point in time where it was okay, not because it was right, because, there was because no one else, you know, was going to check you. He, he lived during a very different era than it is now. Exactly. Where you're, you may delete it in the tweet, but somebody on the internet has taken a snapshot of it, and now it's going viral. Times have changed. For sure. People have changed. And we can say all, we can, we can, we, we can say all you want about, you know what I'm saying, our people are a little bit more sensitive, you know, than they were. I would probably agree with you. But there's just certain lines we just cannot cross anymore. Facts. So... You know, like I said, I'm not calling for cancel culture to cancel anybody because you guys are weak. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're going we're gonna to do without Doja Cat for this week, but she'll be back next week. She'll be back next week with a fucking remix and everybody's going to stream it. Exactly. So it's like... But it's time to, it's time to start giving... We got to start... We got to stop feeding into this. We got to start voting with our dollars. And we have to stop paying Jim Cornette. It's got to be done. Yeah, because the accountability ships, like you said, the accountability absolutely 100% ships to his employers rather than Cornette. You know that Cornette is a toxic personality. He may be the greatest historian, but he's got a stupid mindset and it has never changed and it doesn't seem like it's it's completely unwavering. So you can't keep doing it. Can't yeah. keep At some point, it's got to stop. It has to stop. <clears throat> um, but going back to subject at hand because that's the difference between a Jim Cornette and a Jim Ross. The Jim Ross is apologetic. He doesn't want to do wrong, but he doesn't quite is understand what to do right in certain situations, especially off the cuff. Now, you have to understand that, you know, maybe they are kind of doing commentary off the cuff, but there is a, a, a opportunity for pre-production. There's an opportunity to talk to people. You especially know, so you, when you're doing pay-per-views once every four months. Yeah. You have an opportunity to talk to these wrestlers to, you know, say get a feel for what you what you what they want you to say, what you, what they want you to talk about on commentary. You know, saying you've we've heard this before. We took you the task about the thug comments for Santana Santana and Ortiz, 
Right. And, and, and the funny thing about that is it was okay for him to say that because they said it was okay for him to say that. It actually came out that they didn't want to gave him that line. Okay. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? But I mean, you know, either or. I mean, if we can't call a woman big in the same token that we would call a Lance Archer or a Brody Lee a big dude, what can we say? What can Jim say? For the conversation that I have with the two young lady, the two young women that um, on Twitter, um, I kind of held them accountable for that. I said, hey, I'm going to play the advocate. You're taking big off the table. What are you putting on the table? We got terms like powerhouse. We got terms like beast. Um, uh, uh, they said machine. Anything yeah. big girl. Uh, and uh, she came back and said, you know, Chris is not big, which is, she's tall. She's, she's tall. She's got muscle mass. And that's the reason why Jared said that she was big. No. Um, we can agree to disagree on that, and I think that's kind of where we left that part of it. Um, but um, yeah, well, I mean, we can we, can we call Chris Nowler a beast? Can well, we call we call Nowler Rose a beast? It's in her name. Yeah, it, here and this is. Well, I do obviously respect these ladies' opinion. I want to hear from women wrestlers on something like this. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Um, you know, I've heard many female wrestlers be called big, and it means many things. Nia Rose has been called big. Um, Nia Jax has been called big. Jordan Grace has been called big. Um, it, it's one of those things. Like I, I, I do want to know what they. Feel about it because they're the ones that are ultimately going to impact that language. Yes, exactly. Um, I will. I will. It, it won't be the here. fans. It won't be the fans who make that change. Exactly. It's going to be wrestlers who make that change. I will interject that um, one of the two women um, did train as a wrestler. Okay. Before and she was explaining that this is, these are the things that her coach would call her versus okay. big. So we do have some reference there, but I do understand what you're saying. Like the conversation needs to be extended, you know, saying to women after women women wrestlers on the roster, um, to basically comment on and see exactly what the solution is. The, the 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 point being is that the solution is what are we replacing it with? Yeah. We can't just get angry and, and be like, Okay, I don't wanna be called big. But what do you wanna be called? Because when when commentary is done, you look on the men's side, their height is included, their weight is included, you know what I mean? Um, we talk about their size, their stature, you know, say we talk about things in comparison to their age, um, mm -hmm. comparison to, you know, saying other athletic, you know, abilities that they have, you know, a big guy shouldn't be doing flips, a small guy shouldn't be lifting, you know, saying a big guy, you know, um, it, it goes into the, I want to say the bravado. Right. Because, because we have to be honest, size is a part of the story of wrestling. Exactly. Um, How many times without no that, without uh, no Goliath, there's no David. Exactly. And if you can't call Goliath Goliath a giant, then the story's mute. You know, um, and that that's why 
you know, yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I need to know what that language is. And we can't just cancel out every word in the dictionary. Mm-hmm. You know, then we're just watching matches in silence because no one knows what they could fucking say without offending anybody. Like I said, you need to get people in the room and have an education session. Simple as that. That's the only way people are going to learn. You can sit there and say, well, it might be, and it's the thing, you need to get, why not have that, like a symposium with all of your female wrestlers and get their opinions specifically for them because it's like, you may call somebody massive or a powerhouse and someone else takes offense on your roster. There needs to be a, just not just a simple, but a very broader education when it comes to this. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of talented wrestlers, female wrestlers out there. Sure, they don't want to be called blonde bombshells and shit like that, you know. And you know, it's kind of the shit that we see, you know, everywhere else. It's just, you know, yeah. I mean, the conversation needs to be had, and it needs to be had by the talent in the room, and they have a larger voice. Now, they've been a part of this movement for a very long time. Far be it for us to tell them tell them what we want, but we want to know what they want. Simple as that. Tell us, educate us. Yeah, we want to respect you, and we just need to know how. We need to work together. This is doesn't need to be one side being angry at the other side, you know? For sure. Yeah. So, shout out to Misha. Shout out to Queen of the Ring for contributing to this part of the podcast. And we'll all, we, we are for the culture, and that includes, you know, women's evolution when it comes to especially the wrestling, because they're much bigger picture, uh, part of the picture than, you know, what it is um getting back to the match it was a decent match unfortunately chris Dantlander fought fell into that trap again where she was coming after another good match and uh she, and we saw this with uh statlander's last pay-per-view appearance with nyla rose on the women's championship and it seemed to be like the bathroom break for everyone during the pay-per-view it was, uh, a, it, was yeah, it was the low spot yeah uh penelope before did look good though so, I mean, and consider the fact they had to put this match together at the last minute. This was the match we were supposed to get. Yeah. I so, mean, yeah. It speaks, to, it speaks to the level of professionalism. Yeah. Especially, I mean, with, Penel- especially with Penelope for coming out and selling it, um, and the bump that she took earlier. Yeah. As well. I mean, it definitely, you're going to see, I guarantee you'll see her in the picture coming up soon. Mm-hmm. You're going to start seeing her singles match. Hopefully, it's not just coming around as a, you know, as a, you know, kind of, um, what, what am I looking at? Zelina Vega that type. Way. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, let's see, let's see what she can, what she no, can Penelope, do. Penelope is good. Penelope yeah. is good at what she does. And, and, and because she was a surprise, I think that kind of, um, escalated your expectations for it. Like, oh, okay. Not bad. As we say with the UFC fights, when there's a, a last minute, you know, stand in for it, and all of a sudden it ends up being a phenomenal fight because you got somebody got zero to lose and everything to gain by the exposure. So, uh, kudos to Penelope Ford and Chris Atlin for putting on a decent match, um, considering. Um, then we walk into the Sean Spears portion of it. We can just gloss right over that because it's. That was way too much crack for me. Yeah. And uh, that's it. That's all we need to say. Yeah, okay, that's it. Yeah, okay. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Damn, you gave it 10 seconds. <laughs> Uh, my match of the night, well, my, this was, the next three were just, <laughs> it, it's like your murderer's row uh, when it comes to a baseball lineup. 
And it's like your two, three, four hitters. And mm-hmm. Ishida and Nyla Rose match. Shout out to Big Swole for her uh, her expletives. Shout out during the match. That was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Shida and Nyla Rose contended in a no, just, uh, no GQ match for the uh, AEW women's title. Um, Hikaru Shida was dressed up as Tifa. That's all. I mean, that, we can just go 25 minutes on that alone. And for all you Final Fantasy VII people, and the game, the remake just came out, that's a breath of fresh air, especially mm-hmm. the time where we're staying home. I still haven't got past that part, but because I haven't paid much attention to it, but I'll get to it. <laughs> uh, but man, uh, they went all over the damn place. Nyla Rose throwing it through a casino table and saying, I "Always bet on black." That was dope. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she did. I. This was a really good match. These these they. These two women, they tore it up. Um, this is probably uh, probably it's not the best, one of the better Nyla Rose matches. Yeah. Um, that she's had, she's been with AEW. Um, but yeah, this this they, I mean, they this this was every bit of 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 Moxie and Broly Lee. To be honest with you, this set the bar for the women's division. Mm-hmm. This is the match that they have for the entire year and a half of their existence. This is the this is the ultimate match that they put together, and it, it was it was just phenomenal. And uh, let me just get this out there before anybody says anything else. Um, while while it was it was a surprise to me that they put the belt on Hikaru Shida. Um, that was a good play because Hikaru Shida is the best woman on that roster right now. Period. Yeah. And it was just a great time to pull the trigger on putting the belt on her and I want to believe that is the main reason why we got the title change today there's another situation out there you know some of her being close to um the young woman who took her life and that being like a reason you know saying that decided to pull the trick on this and that that's that sounds nice um I do not want that to take away from the fact that Hikaru Shida deserves this because she has been wrestling her ass off for the past few weeks. And they displayed such a, like, she was hell-bent on winning this fucking title. During exactly. The there was just a great ferocity within her that we haven't seen. And we've seen her whip out that kendo stick and smack a few people around. But, man, that, 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 that the flying, flying the Nyla Rose, and then, which was perfect, because you could tell that she's the perfect, uh, uh, the, the perfect athlete for this. Because then she kicks the poker chip for a soft landing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I see that. And she pushed yeah. it down. I was like, very good. That's a Becky Lynch type of move. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that was pretty dope that she did. But, man, I mean, that whole that whole match was just gruesome. And then if you look on um, Sheeta's Twitter, the welts on her back from these – oh. Yeah. It's pretty bad. It's pretty gruesome. And it's a reality check. It's like – yeah, th- this isn't staged. <laughs> they actually get hit with some real shit. Yeah, and, real uh, talk. I mean, Hikaru Shida, I don't, I don't, I don't think I got a chance to submit it on this show um, because we haven't recorded in so long. But I know I've told you guys before, like you know, it's been a while back. She's my current favorite favorite women's wrestler. Yeah. Right now. Across um, the board, yeah. You'd she's be, got skills. You'd be, you'd be far, uh, be hard for you to. Notice. I mean, I've only, I've only bumped her in front of, of, of. Oscar, because we haven't really got a good Oscar match in a while. Even though we know she's good for it. Yeah. 
That's it's so, up to her employers. <laughs> so Kairoshida has, has, has got up for me. I, I am a Kairoshida fan. And and I mentioned this in our chat yesterday. AEW does the cosplay better than than most promotions. Kill it. And, I mean, with Omega with his Street Fighter with the Akuma shit and the Young Bucks coming out as like Kevin Ryu. I'm like I'm all for it, man. And I want to I want to say because I think like we were like when they first started and we first saw Hikaru Shida come out, you know, in like the Fatal Four Way match, um, you know, so a while back. I think like Tina caught a glimpse of that and she. Might have suspected that she was dressed as Shishomaru from um uh from Idiyasha. Oh, okay. So that might be a thing too. <laughs> hey, yeah, I mean, you're I'm right. They kill it with the cosplays. I'm 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 all for it because it just highlights another um another way to identify with your favorite wrestler or a wrestler that you may be seeing for the first time. Yo, they like Final Fantasy VII too. Now that implores you to check out their their social media. That it implores you to check out their thing. So it's just. It's just marketing and, at its best. And they also think when before they do it. Like Omega coming out as Sans just <laughs> absolute sick. Everybody lost their shit. And, and it, it it meant so much that no like you could literally we could literally spend a, a podcast on why Kenny Omega came out as Sans. Like <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely sick. And yeah, that, and that's what I love about it. Like everything has meaning to it. Like, you know, WWE has, you know, they always post these videos after pay-per-views of, like, the meanings before, the meanings of the outfits of matches and shit. But they're all superficial. You know, like, um, Ronda Rousey coming out with, like, Wolverine claws, you know, on her gloves and shit like that. Mm-hmm. That's, like, real superficial. But, you know, the cosplay that we see here, you know, they deep dive on you, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just, you know, oh, this is not- my favorite character. I want to wear this. You know, it means something, right? It was it was thoroughly good match. Again, we see another AEW title where it culminates in so much emotion from the character, mm-hmm. uh, with all the payoff. I mean, she's been legitimately the most successful AEW women's wrestler all year, um, except until except where she got bumped for Statlander <laughs> in February, <laughs> which didn't. Which always makes you question the ranking system because it doesn't make sense. If she was nine and one, why didn't this happen in February and not now? But it makes complete sense. Um, I'm all for it. Uh, let's see how long this reign. She she topped Rehos. Uh, Nyla Rose went ahead and topped Rehos, right? She had it for like 108 days or something like that. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, something like that. So it'll be really interesting to see where they go with this. Um, quite honestly, they should have another tournament showcase the rest of your women's the rest of your uh, roster have a tournament for a number one contendership Mm because those rankings don't mean shit (laughs) but uh, I'm excited to see where they go with it Um, and that leads us into the co-main event Brody Lee Mr. Brody Lee excuse me Mr. Brody Lee who stole the title on Wednesday from Dynamite so he came out with the title the title on his shoulder and then uh was in, introduced as the self-proclaimed AEW world title holder um, versus John Moxley and man, <laughs> anybody else hurting? Like you, you watch and you kind of wince in pain because <laughs> uh, these 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 men were going at it. They beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, I did see there was on Twitter. It was pretty funny. I was trying to see if I was 
you know, watching it in real time. Somebody posted a picture. Here's a link to uh, uh, Brody Lee and uh, Ambrose. <laughs> and they posted Ambrose versus, uh, what do you call it, his character from WWE on a SmackDown episode like 10 years ago. It's like, here's here's the link to the, the live broadcast of that. But I thought that was pretty funny. But um, they went at each other. Brody Lee looks. Brody Lee is in the main event circle, yes? Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Because his, pro, his former promotions didn't think so. And his former employer didn't think so either. Didn't think enough of him to even put him on TV as a singles. And this is the most he's ever spoken, right? I mean, I've never oh, yeah. heard him speak before. <laughs> no, his whole character was you know, not a real speaking character. Yeah. But I, mean, I, have, I have a question regarding this match and the result. Okay. Does this kill the Dark Order? No. Um, I think the way it finished doesn't. Okay. Because it was a referee stoppage. Um, it doesn't, and it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. Like we we thought what would have happened with the women's title at, at WrestleMania last year. It's like uh, it kind of this was the an, the anti uh, WrestleMania result. It doesn't make him lesser of a character because it was a referee stoppage. So right. it shows that he's not submitting or getting pinned by Moxley, but it took Moxley to the absolute end of his wits to get this guy out. Uh, so it kind of puts them both over in it. Uh, it'd be interesting to see, like, it, I mean, like we always say, right? Well, let's see what happens on Wednesday uh, after this incredible pay-per-view. But uh, I didn't think he came off looking bad for it at all. I, I and they made a point to continue to say he didn't submit. It was a referee stoppage. And they said it a couple times during the end of that broadcast uh, with that match. I look at it from a perspective, yeah, they, they did the right thing with the ending of that match by keeping them strong. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the bigger piece of reason why I don't think um, this is the end of the Dark Order. I think the smaller piece is, is that because the full roster's not there. And I think there's a couple of, we know there's a few storylines that they're, they they put on pause um, because of the pandemic and not having a full roster there. Um, so there's a lot of things they can always get back to once more guys start coming back to work. Um, okay. But this was a, a this was just a nice showcase because you got to understand like I think for me if I feel like situations changed that turn you know said whatever they were doing into putting him in this um, program with John Moxley, um, I think that's the part that changed, and it's like okay we don't have a full roster here we can't really con continue with things. I can see John Moxley saying like hey we need to put this guy over. Um, well, you know, saying so while we're taking this break and while we don't don't know what else we can do, we can do this and, and make Brodie a major player. That's what I felt. That to me, that was the theme of this match. The underlining theme is this is this is Brodie's coming out party. Um, we need to put this guy over now. That's a new guy on our roster because people know him, but we need people to really know who he really is supposed to be, and he's supposed to be a main event player. So I, I believe that's what this program was about, but it's interim, you know, once we, like I said, once we get more people coming back to work, then we can get back to what the dark order you know, was supposed to be doing before all of this happened. Right. Cause it was, it took a while before even Brody Lee entered the picture because of his no compete. And we were asking that same question of the dark order before as well. So I, yeah. I, I mean, it kind of leads you to, you know, the mystery, the intrigue behind it. Uh, Cause We'll see what happens with it, but I, I, I mean, it, it makes me wonder a little bit about Evil Uno and the other guy. Oh, uh, it, it, it makes you worry about you know Brody and you know saying 
his involvement with the Dark Order and keeping it going. But yeah. I mean, we need multiple factions, right? <laughs> you can't just have the inner, cir- inner circle and the elite going after. We still need a couple more. A uh, couple more. So what happens? <laughs> but, uh, no, it was a great match. Um, that damn uh, – <laughs> that damn uh, – what do you call it? I want to keep calling it the, the dirty deeds, but the paradigm shift now, right? That's what they call it. He hits it so fast and so smooth now. It's It's <laughs> – it's almost like he was holding back. <laughs> yeah. But he, when they did that on the entrance ramp, that confirmed everything I needed to know about every entrance ramp AEW's constructed. It's, it's constructed to fall. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why, that's why Jake the Snake ran away earlier when Mike Tyson came. There's only so much weight that can get. Right. He <laughs> ran away from it. Uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Bret Hart fell off of it. <laughs> they fell through it. <laughs> you know, the only one that seemed to like really uh, withstand any punishment was during the Young Bucks match uh, during our revolution here in Chicago. <laughs> so that's the only entrance ramp that's actually. It was probably people standing under it like this. It was the choir from uh, Jericho. That's the enhancement talent, <laughs> especially with the entire uh, the entire uh, choir, the circle choir on the. <laughs> Uh, it was a great match. Um, looking forward to seeing what happens here. Uh, see already what the title is with Brian Cage and uh, John Moxley. So that's going to be that's going to be pretty outstanding. And then when, when is that uh, Fire Fest? Yeah, I don't think they announced a date for it yet. I think we're going more getting more information on that on Wednesday. But that's something yeah, they, that um, they already started talking about over the summer sometime. Yeah, but that's something that Uncle Uncle Meltzer broke. Okay. And, and something Tony talked about during his scrum last night that cannot be overshadowed was that Fighter Fest was supposed to be in London. Yeah. Like, yeah. like ev- anybody who's been paying attention to WWE knows for a long time that Vince has been trying to get a big pay-per-view in London, in, in UK, period. Yeah, and if, if Tony Khan had beat him to the punch... And they took a pen. I, I think Vince McMahon would have like booked himself in a match. Just <laughs> one day, I, he just would have been sick. Like he would have booked himself versus the Undertaker. Like, like a one night only. That would have been the end of the last ride. <laughs> they would have done it during the, the halftime of the NBA Finals. Just fuck around with some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Oh yeah. Um, that's crazy. Right, can you imagine him at the OTO Arena? Seventy thousand plus. Because they own they own an arena. They own the the no, Fordham and the Fordham team, right? Fordham team, yeah. yeah. And they just so whatever arena that is, you know, they that's a football stadium. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's insanity right there. Can AEW yeah. play a, 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 a football stadium? Yes. Mm. <laughs> I'm alluded to the fact that they kind of just did. <laughs> you should make a flawless this year. They just did, huh? <laughs> they just did that. Um, Where do you want to start in this crazy fucking match? Well, let me start here. There was some controversy. I mean, well, not controversy. There was still a few comments out there um, about, you know, it's in a match order. Um, so let me just put this out here on record. There's no way that you can put the sta- stadium stampede match before the title match. Period. No. Um, no, there's no way you can do that. You would be so exhausted after that stadium stampede match that it was shit all over that title match. Now, with that being said, 
should AEW start worrying about and focusing on building pay-per-views around their major title? Absolutely. Not today. No. But let's not do like let's do let's not do like one or two more before we lose the focus here. We don't want to we don't want the situation with you know CM Punk never main invented right. any of those pay-per-views while he was, you know, the, the champion. So let's didn't be careful. One of the, didn't one of the one or both of the nights of WrestleMania end with one of the, the cinematic matches? They both one of they the last one ride. One did. Definitely the last the Undertaker one definitely did. Yeah. I'm trying to remember no, no I'm not sure no. if the Playhouse one did. No, so Drew McIntyre, did they end it with well, Drew? The second night, yeah. McIntyre finished it. Yeah. Okay. But it's not unheard of. So let's not it's full him stadium it only holds about twenty something thousand. And the record was like forty eight, forty nine back in thirty nineteen thirty eight. So um yeah, I'm going. I'm shooting higher than that. I'm going. I'm going to go for the death knell to WWE. I'm going. I'm booking the biggest, biggest possible venue wherever that may be. If it's in London, wherever the case may be, I'm putting my foot and planting my AEW flag right in the center of Europe, where they wanted to set it foot for a, a very long time. You're, you're talking Wembley, man. That's <laughs> that's a mic drop there. If they do. If anybody does Wembley, that's a mic drop. You'd be hard to press to sit there and say that people won't travel there and they oh, won't no. pull that motherfucker out. I think. Well, yeah, because they they've been aching for a pay per view in that area in Europe, both yeah. that size, not a forever. Take, not a UK. So the, you can't. AEW, yeah, AEW would be bringing back a lot of stars that they're already familiar with that have been traveling there to the UK to perform, or either you know, start from the New Japan side as well. So I have, and I have twenty bucks in my pocket. If they did one in the UK, Will Ospreay's in, in that pay-per-view. Because a major pay-per-view in the UK, there's no way him and or Zack Sabre wouldn't do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Regardless of where they are. Man, <laughs> I'm just saying. Ah. <laughs> Because they've already put on a good match. Both you might as well sign progress up, man. I'm dead serious. Yeah. So yeah, stadium stampede match. That was. So let's uh, let's start it off. Inner Circle came up the uniforms and the 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 numbers. That was pretty dope. Shout out to Jericho for wearing his dad's number that he wore with the Ranger. That was pretty yeah. dope. Can't find the tweets. Shout out to the person who called them the Monstars. <laughs> <laughs> I just happened to be scrolling. I was like, yo, they dressed as the Monstars. Like, there yeah, was so cool. much, so much fire with this. I mean, I think. So you, if you didn't see this match, this match included a horse, a swimming pool, <laughs> multiple personalities, <laughs> a, uh, whiskey and milk, a bar timed, fight. Yeah, a convenient um, timed uh, ESPN stat. <laughs> a moonsault off a goalpost. <laughs> uh, and the one winged angel. <laughs> they were penalties called. There was even a review. There was a mascot. <laughs> there was a golf cart. The Northern Lights uh, kickoff return for, <laughs> for a touchdown. <laughs> it had, I want to know, know what Kevin Evan Owens thinks of that one wing angel. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a personal shot towards Kevin Owens. 
but it's definitely whatever you can do, I can do better type moment. Shit was just. I I mean, I screamed. <laughs> I yelled. At, oh shit! <laughs> um, um, Sammy Guevara. Um, I just want to point out it was phenomenal. Sammy oh, Guevara yeah. also it ran him everything he did from the his athleticism alone, his comedic value, the facial expression that he makes. <laughs> just Sammy was great in his match, like the whole time. Can we? Um, yeah, he he he's a trooper, man. From from when they did that uh, all out when we were fighting, uh, and he got hit with the golf cart. They mm-hmm. had the turn of the golf cart. Which was, he did a four three forty, man. He that was probably faster than that. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, then they referenced the Lambo leap in in Jacksonville. That's like that was interesting. <laughs> Might want to call it the Duval leap since you're in Jacksonville. Rename it. I don't know. So. Uh, I don't know where we where do we go. Let's talk about the things that were all right. Let's talk about the Matt Hardy portion. That was well done. This is exactly when you watch that. My thought was, this is exactly what WWE is going to be missing going forward. Matt you Hardy's know. brain and Matt Hardy's pen. Yeah, and I was like, that was excellent. The, from just from the get up with uh, <laughs> Ortiz not being able to swim. <laughs> Stop being a bendejo. <laughs> that shit had me dying laughing when he was stop being a bendejo get in the water and he's doing step by step <laughs> and then you hear JR it's only three feet of water <laughs> and let it be known that there are multiple pools not just one there are multiple yeah. pools in that stadium and mm-hmm. they're the nicest one uh <laughs> Every time they tried drowning Matt Hardy, <laughs> he came up perfect. like <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> and then they put the Matt facts on the screen. The 346 seconds underwater, he could hold his breath. That <laughs> <laughs> was perfect. That, was. that was that was there was so many things they could have been taken out of it. Like just all right, that Matt Hardy, those Matt Hardys are gone now. It's all AEW Matt. Yeah, know? all of them. That was a shot, for real. It was just brilliant. The fact, <laughs> the whole damn thing was fucking great, man. The other well-produced segment in this match was the bar fight. That was the one time that I thought Jake Hager was fucking enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> it was perfect. We've seen it was perfect because we've seen this movie before. This is, these were the straight to, to VHS, VHS movies back in the nineties. Or, you know, just any one of the Marine one through six movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, are we going to fight or are we going to drink? <laughs> Gives them a drink and they st- That was perfect. Yeah. It's just so over, man. <laughs> I, I knew something was going to happen with him going to a suite or something. Like, he's not looking for Sammy Guevara. He's looking for a fucking drink. <laughs> just like a cowboy would. Walk yeah, that, that, that sequence and those no cells. <laughs> I want to hit him with the bottle and they finally get him down. They did, they even did the spot where he takes them and he drags them across the... Perfect. Has, has anybody in here been slammed on a, um, a pool table before? I might have. <laughs> I've slammed someone on a pool table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't on purpose, but it, it wasn't happened. as glorious as this one. But... Like somebody jumped and wanted me to catch them and I couldn't. Oh, so they tried, you tried doing a dirty dancing and they didn't do 
It ended up dirty. Ah. It was a bad day. It was a Mother Hubbard's night. That's, That's what exactly what I was going to ask. Was it a Mother Hubbard's night? <laughs> Mother Hubbard's night. 50% off everything. Got to love those Tuesdays. Pretty much. Industry nights, man. Uh, this is just fucking great. The milk, the milk chug with Kenny Omega was pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> this whole match was Easter Egg City, man. And you good. can tell that these guys like sat around and sat around in a room laughing their ass off as they played the dust that shit out. The cheerleaders with the with the AEW masks, it was interesting. They weren't six feet apart, <laughs> but it's Florida. They don't give a shit at that point. So my thought is, if you wanted to take a shot at getting the mainstream audience to see what's going on on Wednesday nights while there's no other sports going on, um, and also kind of basing this off of the response of uh, apparently this golf game that took place earlier today being like really the only sports that anybody can pay attention to now, there's no kind of gravitated to it. Some way, somehow, I don't know if I don't know if you want to do it on television, or you want to just put this up on YouTube. This match needs to be made available to the public. Yeah, they should because this was fucking fun. I mean, look, look at the fun that we're having in this football arena while we're not watching football. And this stadium has multi purpose, <laughs> yes, it's not just a bunch of guys driving in circles, it's it, this had everything, everything. Um, can we talk about Matt, uh, Matt Jackson's form, though, with throwing a football? I don't think he's ever thrown a football before. <laughs> I, t- I, told, I told Claire last night, though, and I, put, I tweeted, I was like, he's still more accurate than any fucking quarterback that we've had in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take mind you, mind you, it wasn't Jacksonville. It was the fans. Well, I mean, they've got a quarterback. You know, it might be the stadium. It might be the stadium. (laughs) (laughs) Jacksonville is the place where quarterbacks go to die. (laughs) Right, pretty much, man. Remember, we just Uh, grabbed her Jacksonville's last quarterback. (laughs) I would have taken Minshew. Yeah, that might be true because if you look, if you look at the wide shot, they actually have the quarterbacks' names, (laughs) all the former quarterbacks' names, like posted around the arena. That was funny. That's crazy because they've had (laughs) had a lot. Um, but that was great. Uh, what do you call it? With the line marker going straight over Jericho. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that was a nice touch. <laughs> um, the action that well, was it, in the too. It must be nice for, for you to have a father that owns a, a football stadium. And he just like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, tear it up. <laughs> it's, not, it's not being used right now. It's like, a, it's absolutely not. Just the just the just the utilities alone to keep. I mean, I just I mean, just as a commercial alone for the stadium itself, and the idea that you know this space could probably be used for other things while it's probably not going to be used for football right now. It needs to just be put out there, just so that everybody can have a good laugh. AEW is going to have a hand in their opening opening day match, uh, opening day uh, for football. Um, Kudos to Jim Ross for trying to sell the fact that the Jaguars are up and comers. After they traded every franchise corner piece that they've had for the past couple of years that were supposed to be up and comers, they traded them all for everything. You know what? The fact, the fact that that's the company man drinking the company tea right there. The fact that Tampa Bay currently employed the WWE twenty four seven champion, um, I don't see. I see. I don't see AEW getting one up. Let, let them get one up by 
by WWE, they actually own a football franchise. So yeah, you know what? <laughs> First home game for the Jackson Jacksonville Jaguars. They're gonna come out to Judas with the Ernest Circle Choir. Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the the inner circle with their football jerseys come and lead the team out on the field. <laughs> yeah. That would be dope. That would be absolutely – I mean, you got to talk about cross-promotion, right? And then Miss You, Miss you has to come out with J- Chris Jericho's jacket on. <laughs> the face makeup, too? The rainmaker? I don't care how you do that, but the jacket has to come out, man. Yeah, at the very least, that song's going to get played, and that's going to be great for Fozzie. This is gonna be awesome for them. It seems like that they would have a lot of fans in Jacksonville. I mean, they actually do pretty good on the tenant side, from what I see. Who Jacksonville? Have they ever been blacked out? Dangerously close. Okay, close, but no. And that was because they were playing the Titans. So, yeah. Well, I mean, Khan will find a way to get them on their team. Khan. (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean. this was just chock full with greatness. Um, the match, the the in ring match that kind of took place for like five minutes was fantastic as well. The, the moves that they were pulling off, it's good to see uh, whether they were selling it or not. But Nick Jackson coming back into the fold after his 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 brutal attack <laughs> and it slid underneath the uh, garage door from what it looked like, but uh, it was it was great, man. Uh, so I'll ask this question. We've seen three cinematic matches, correct? Or four with the Money in the Bank one? Mm-hmm. Rank them. Oh, Undertaker. I mean, the, the, the two that, that, that happened at WrestleMania are one and two for me. Okay. For sure. Because um, they meant more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I probably enjoyed this one more than I enjoyed. I probably enjoyed the Stampede more than I enjoyed um, Money in the Bank. But we're not, I mean, Money in Bank wasn't the worst. I mean, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't bad. I, I think what tops put Stampede over Money in the Bank for me is the connection of storylines. Mm-hmm. You know, Money in the Bank, while I, I applaud the effort, still felt kind of thrown together. Yeah. You know, this almost felt intentional. Mm-hmm. You, know, you knew it wasn't. You know, like, you know, three right. three months ago, they weren't thinking about this. You know, this was supposed, this culmination of the feud was supposed to happen inside of whatever war games was going to be, match beyond whatever you want to call it, blood and guts, all that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they found a way because, you know, using Gerard's words, they had smarter people in the room blotting this match out and allowed the guys to have fun. And that's something you rarely see in wrestling these days mm-hmm. is you could see, tell in matches that they're having fun. Um, and you could tell it, even though, you know, they had grimaces and shit like that and they were selling, you could tell these guys are just having a blast, you know, yeah. doing this match, but the, you know, definitely the undertaker and um, that was uh, the fun house, you know, yeah, those are one and two and, while I have a deeper connection with the Funhouse, only because like there are so many, parallels. you really have to give somebody credit on a Cena side for allowing that match to happen in the way that it did. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's not a match Triple H would do. 
in that matter. Absolutely. You know, you. a big ego like that. Um, you know, a Randy Orton, you know. It was too much truth for McMahon. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, yeah. You um, can only withstand one pipe bomb. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, you know, that that's why I, I take that over the top. There were a lot of things part of the Undertaker match that I kind of like tilt my head about, like, okay. But I I still enjoyed it. Um, it was really good. So I mean and it it brought back the Undertaker to you know, like if that's his last match, you could definitely I be cool with see it. That TV show. Can we get Josh Whedon on this? What? On a on an Undertaker television show. Well, I mean, he's going to have to do it for 14 more years, right? Oh, God. Episode, episode 86, guys. We're not. <laughs> Segways, baby. <laughs> we, we're not doing that right now. No. 86, we're Undertaker, because we, we're going to, because I want to I wanna absorb more of the, the documentary. Yeah. Uh, Ric Flair. Uh, <laughs> We still got to talk about Dark Side of the Ring. Like, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to review, but... Um, the No Country for Old Men show. That's that's probably going to be the theme of that one. Because you know how I feel about old people. <laughs> don't start. Don't, don't, don't offend anybody. You don't know how many old people I'm going to fight in my job. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Well, I mean, that's, that's within reason. I mean, I'm like that every time. And there's always a potential target. Like, uh, sir, I know you have a hump in your back. Do you want to step outside, though? <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. <laughs> there is about six foot of space between us and opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to shout out uh, Glenn Rubenstein on Twitter um, for sponsoring the next part of this conversation since we're at the close of this pay-per-view, this great pay-per-view that we all enjoyed and um, pay $49.99 for, maybe. Uh, <laughs> um, he posed this question on Twitter and I wanted to answer it here. Um, does paying $49.99 for a wrestling pay-per-view affect, affect your expectations and satisfaction? Um, and I would, he, he kind of alluded to it here and I, I want to pose that as a question as well. How has the WWE Network model kind of shifted your um, your view and expectations about paying that paying that amount of money for a pay per view. Whoever wants to go first, I will. I I dive in. Um, first off, yes, the nine ninety nine amount has shifted my view. Um, pre network, I was that guy who bought pay per views, and we thank you for that still. <laughs> um but also was that guy who was satisfied with his purchase about half of the time. Uh um you know and that's not just WWE, you know, we're talking other sports as well. Um another factor I ha I can't help but introduce is the lack of fan in the stands. Because for me, that adds something to the experience. And that doesn't justify a full price if you can't give me that. Um, 
I could see, and another thing I looked at for this particular pay-per-view was the length of it. I, I like it from a entertainment standpoint, but not from a value standpoint, if I'm paying 50 bucks for it. You know, this was about the length of Endgame, this, you know, show. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I would have paid five more times than I paid to see Endgame. You know, you, you can argue entertainment value and all that kind of stuff, but that's how I see value. You know, kind of like when I pay video, play for, pay for video games. Like, I pay for video games full price that I'm going to play for months on end, mm-hmm. not for something that I'm going to finish in six to eight hours and I'm never going to pick up again. While this was a damn good pay-per-view, would I go back to see it? The whole thing. Nope. I wouldn't. Nor can I in this current pay-per-view model. I feel if you're charging us 50 bucks, we should be able to watch it again and again as much as we we should own it. Just like a movie. Um, and I think that's what sours it for me. And be frank, that's why I didn't pay the 50 bucks for it. Because I just didn't see the value. Now, yes, if I had paid for it i would have felt better about my purchase but i just couldn't justify it just not in this day and age you know paying 50 bucks for a pay-per-view now if it was all three of us in a room and we all chipped in you know money for one spot that makes more sense right right but not just sitting at home with my my wife nah i can't do it i sat with the cat for two and a half hours and then claire showed up He didn't move when I screamed, so I was cat. like... Near the end, did the cat climb the cat tree and jump off for no reason whatsoever? We got rid of that cat a long time ago. It's a burden. <laughs> it was just a place for us to put stuff on top. We got rid of that and replaced it with an exercise bike. <laughs> right. We needed another coat, expensive coat rack. Right. Um, if I'll, I'll, I'll touch on, you know, we did a audio response earlier, but it's like, uh, I'm, I'm, I agree with Sean. I, in this day and age, it's like it's not worth it, really. Um, we've seen. I've, I, I'm a huge boxing fan, and I can't tell you the last time that I actually paid for pay per view. Uh, we'd rather make a night out of it by going to like a, a friend's house, like we've done with, you know, uh, a friend of mine, Ellie Bertles. We go to his house and we all pitch in like five, ten bucks. Uh, but it's like you far few between, which is why it's. it's Staggering to me that there's so many people that actually buy it with the age that we live in with uh, being able to cut the cord and stream it certain different ways that they're still selling this price. Part of me wants to say that this, they were a big held to this because it was a contract. Um, so they couldn't reduce the price at this time. Um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, you don't pay for anything. You can't pay for 50 bucks and expect a full thing. I wouldn't pay pay-per-view prices for wrestling just because it's more theater than it is an actual athletic event like boxing where we would hope that the uh, the outcomes aren't uh, determined. Uh, but in this instance, like, you know, like I said, preference like the Canelo and Mayweather fight or any of these top-notch boxers that we don't really see a full car 
uh, or we can appreciate justify charging us 50, 60, 79 dollars uh, for these events. Um, we we're more of the we'll stream it or we'll go to a bar and let the bar pay the 50 grand to showcase the licensing on the bar and then we could have a meal and a couple of drinks and you know have a night out of it. Um, it was different for us back in the day because it's either you pay the 50 bucks or you learn about the matches from your friends uh, who are assholes and won't tell you everything. <laughs> and there was, it was what magazines back in the day for us to, to read yeah. anything that would happen with this because major sports uh, outlets weren't covering WWF back in the day. Correct. So it's, you know, it's a different era in which you consume this television. So um, that's what makes the WWE Network model pretty successful at this because all you need to do is subscribe to it and you get the pay-per-views for free. But they love selling their nostalgia, their catalog of all this other stuff so that way you can go back and watch WrestleMania 5 or WrestleMania 30, whatever the case may be. It makes it a much more appeasable uh, item than just a one-off 50 bucks because like you said you don't own it you can't watch it again it's not like when you uh, rent the movie off of amazon prime or apple tv you only got it for 24 hours and then it's gone uh and i think it's the same model with bleacher report right rock if, if i'm not mistaken yeah, yeah. For like 24 hours. so in, in this day and age it's not it's not worth the pay-per-view value it's not it's not a real value because uh, most people aren't home on a Saturday night. We're just very lucky to be home because of the pandemic. You think in the middle of May, uh, Memorial Day weekend, anybody's home watching wrestling? It's it's kind of hard to justify those prices these days. So, um, let me put my response in kind of three sections here. Um, one just being pay-per-views in general. Um, Paper pay-per-views, paying for pay-per-views is new for me. Um, it's something that I have not done throughout my life. Um, the, the number one main reason why I have it is because of a gentleman by the name of Mike Tyson, who I've, you know what I'm saying, when I was a child, would see grown men cry, grown men curse, grown men you know, just lose their mind paying whatever they pay for a Mike Tyson pay-per-view to get 11 seconds worth of entertainment. <laughs> um, that tainted me to ever wanting to pay for any, any sort of premium for, for, so for any, any event, per se. Like, if I didn't have the ticket, I'll just hear about it or watch the replay or whatever. Um, so for me, the pay-per-view buying experience is new. Um, I approach paying for pay-per-views now because I've only, this is the only, this literally is the third time I've only, I've ever done it in my life. And the other two times were AEW pay-per-views. Yeah, the revolution, you guys did that one for February. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, I paid for the Jericho Cruise before that. Oh, okay. Um, for me, um, the wrestling stuff in general, and now the, the, the WWE Network is the third part I'll talk about. Okay. As far as professional wrestling in general, um, in my opinion, all of it is overpriced. Um, 
the pay-per-views are one thing. Um, I don't think I would ever pay what I pay for wrestling t-shirts for any other type of t-shirt. You know what I mean? Um, the, the, the indie shows, okay. Um, everything else is overpriced, you know? When we yeah. go to the WE shows, I'm paying more money. And I mean, and, and I have to thank Sean because he's brought me to a bunch of them that I have to pay for. But the ones I did pay for uh, was money that I probably wouldn't pay for anything else like that. You know what I mean? In, in that same vein. And definitely the food, you know? Like, no way. Like, in my opinion, everything around wrestling is overpriced. But when I do pay it, I pay it out of the understanding that I'm supporting something that I want to continue to see. That's a, that's an aspect that they often gets overlooked. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, I didn't watch $50 worth of entertainment last night, but I would like to think that paying $50 for what I saw last night will continue to give me the opportunity to give other people the opportunity to see that. You know what I mean? So, I consider it, you know, a gift yeah. versus me buying something of value. I was thoroughly entertained last night. It wasn't $50 worth of entertainment. How much was it? <laughs> <laughs> um, like I said, it's, you know, for, for on, on the one hand, like, you know, what you would pay for a movie, you know what I mean? And also, uh, yeah, too, I, I think, you know, saying for the premium that we're paying, we should own it. Like, I don't see why we can't own it at this point in time. I can understand kind of back in the day, you pay for a pay-per-view, and if you want to continue to live that experience, you buy the VHS tape or you buy the DVD. You know, this used to be WWE's model going for a long time, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, maybe you didn't buy the pay-per-view, but you can still buy the VHS tape later on. Right. right. You buy the DVD later on, you know what I mean? Or if you were the ultimate fan, you would buy the pay-per-view, you buy the program, you buy the DVD, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of that, you know what I'm saying? They should have something like that. Like, remember when you used to buy these DVDs, like especially like the Marvel movies, and you get a digital code. Yes. Like, yo, if you're paying. The yeah, pay that's pretty much standard now. Yeah, email me a digital code so I can watch this in my library for as long as yeah. I want. It's 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 all it's all digital. Yeah. And yeah. if you look at like Fight TV, Bleacher Report, um, if if only for the sake of those apps that I wouldn't use for any other reason and suffer when I pay for a pay-per-view, this would be a great way for me to come back to your app mm -hmm. and have the chance to see everything else that you offer. Because I know I own something there that I can go back and watch. If I owned it, I would watch this again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is why we implored them to put it on YouTube, the Stampede match. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just believe... They so can't can just, watch it over and over again. They, they can't just give that to us. They got to get that to everybody. I, I just, I truly believe that. Um, but, um, but yeah, so the second the piece of it is, you know, that $50 I paid, it's not because I, that content was worth $50, but it's more of an investment. Like if, if, if all it takes is for me to pay this $50 so that you can continue to be a company versus all, you know, we're going to have to fold because we're not making enough money. Like I get it 50, you know what I mean? It's cool because I know I'm going to get something in return. And I know I'm going to get with AEW because they have established this relationship. They, they, they kind of established this um, this bar for me in terms of what a pay-per-view, what a wrestling pay-per-view should be. Um, 
and this this gets me into the third part talking about the WWE network um and how that's kind of changed i think it changed on the WWE side for me than it before it changed for me because my standard for a pay-per-view is this is the the blow off to everything that you've been doing on television every story that you've been trying to tell me every few like it culminates at the quote unquote pay-per-view you may have a couple surprises they may start some other storylines on television going forward but the pay-per-view is not the place to do promos the pay-per-view is not the place to do um backstage interviews the pay-per-view is not the place to do comical video vignettes that's television on stage segments shit like that right they start but the wb has started including these elements into the quote-unquote pay-per-views or network specials that makes them less special for me how many times have you watched a wwe pay-per-view albeit you know SummerSlam or one of the off ones it'd be like hey this is just another episode of raw uh, and, and I'm definitely not paying for that pay-per-view. I'm not paying for, for, for that. Raw sucks. Yeah. You know what Another I mean? Another thing that AEW... So, for me, like, this idea that they're going to go back to a pay-per-view model, that they're actually going to get a company that's going to carry pay-per-views for them, take it off the network, and then we're going to have to pay a premium, I'm, I mean, I'm done. I'm not. I'm. I'm willing to be charitable to pay fifty dollars for a pay per view if they meet that bar, you know. And because AEW has given enough of them away for free, that they establish that that reputation with me. That I'm going to get a pay per view. I'm going to get payoffs. You know what I mean? WWE has completely ruined that for me. I don't know if it's with the with the WWE Network because they've lessened the value, so they lessen the value of those shows. But what WWE does with those network specials are not pay-per-views. And they will never be respected as pay-per-views as long as they keep that bottle. That's it. Yeah. I give WrestleMania its props, but that's where it stops. It's the rock. Nah. <laughs> cue, cue, cue the horns. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's my spell on it. Sean, you had a point that you were trying to raise? Oh, he took care of it. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I think I I did. I'm and I'm I'm thinking if WWE wants to go back to that $49 model, they have to cut out pay-per-views in you know, on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. I I I mean, I've already felt that way in general to be honest but if they especially if they want us to pay this much for them uh, that's almost 600 that's 600 a year yeah it just doesn't make any uh, and that's a championship belt i don't need to watch pay-per-views i'll be champ myself that's, that's half <laughs> of the Bray Wyatt belt though <laughs> huh that's half of the Bray Wyatt belt or maybe a third. that's not even half that's not even half they reduced the price on it now. You can get it for a reasonable, reasonable championship price, but whatever. That new face mask is the shit, though. Yeah. We got yeah that's pretty dope. That, that new face mask. That's easy. Sign me up. 
Yeah. I, I asked my boss, like, please, can I wear this mask to work if I get it? He was like, I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> we'll wait for the day when the customers really start pissing us off. <laughs> oh, man. This was fun. Just like ready to leave when we're gonna close. Mm -hmm. She closed without him and just walk away. New mask is to say how English. I did. Um, we I, I would be crazy not to mention this. Pro wrestling tees for those that live in Chicago are selling masks with the filters. Uh, they are. I did buy some just to support the local wrestlers and the, the, the company, especially since we are big fans of what they do exactly. uh, in a local level and uh, globally with uh, AEW. I did buy a couple of masks with the filters. Um, and this is a perfect time to keep your, your wrestlers employed with the, with the t-shirts, the their t-shirt shops, especially the ones that got laid off. Uh, this is an opportunity for you guys. What do, what do we do? We vote with our dollars. That's right. We support what we love with our money. <laughs> that's what I mean seriously that's what keeps them around yeah especially these smaller smaller businesses like pro wrestling tees by no means are they a small business but they were small in Chicago and now they they're not just a t-shirt company Ooh. definitely not so shout out shout out to pro wrestling tees pro wrestling tees are doing some great things hopefully we'll get the chance to deep dive that on a later podcast but yeah. um yeah. They're, they're making moves and um the the Owen Hart the Owen Hart thing is like that's that's yeah. amazing that's amazing what they're doing and we'll we'll highlight that a little bit during the next show and then we'll uh, we should put a whole podcast towards them we'll give them their flowers because I don't think they're going to be at Fullerton and Damon for too much longer uh, it's going to be a time be when they're going to start looking for a bigger space especially with the traffic for that Chick Fil A around that fucking area <laughs> or expand to another store yeah yeah it's it's absolutely possible. Uh, you could probably throw one in Hoffman Estates and make a killing every time they come. Or <laughs> pop-up shops every time they do it. They mm -hmm. did it during uh, they did it during Revolution over at McCormick Place, which was in line with C two E two. You do pop-up shops across the city, and you can make a, a fuck ton. They know what they're doing, and and I hope that they're. Well, I mean, for us to tell you how to run your business. Yeah, you guys know what you're doing, but you know, so we do hope that you know, so that's one business that sustains this crazy time that we're going through, and it continues to be a success. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, shouts to Pro Wrestling Tees. They're not a sponsor, but we don't care. We, you, you, we don't care. You give respect when respect is due, whether you're a company or a local t-shirt shop. <laughs> it was a pleasure speaking with you, gentlemen. Yeah, this was fun. I'm glad we had a chance to do this. And this was just out of out of loop. <laughs> My wife says hello. Ooh. Hello, Claire. Hey guys. <laughs> Claire makes cake. She does. Claire makes a lot of things. You can follow her on Instagram, and she's coming into the picture right now. See what you fucking did? <laughs> My wife. Claire Crenshaw 87, if you want some cakes, we're selling cakes for a quarantine package, baby. They come with cookies and this, these hands. <laughs> Handing out ass whoopings and cake? What the fuck? <laughs> no sweeter, no sweeter package. <laughs> It depends. All the sweet and sour special and shit. <laughs> but it was great to see you guys. It was great to talk wrestling with you guys at least one more time. Um, I hope you guys are 
continue to stay safe at your jobs and around your families at home. Um, I know it's difficult and we are all busy, um, but you know, even if you, you, you just have the time to take it to yourselves, I hope you, hope you guys are just to keep your sanity. Um, that I know that's one big thing that's been happening like around my job, people just losing their minds. <laughs> and especially as we see with the unfortunate passing of one of the wrestlers, um, in this time, if you're feeling low, find someone to talk to. Um, make sure you reach out to the loved one in this uh, in this day and age. Check on your strong friends. Yeah. The, the ones, ones, always, I'm fine. The ones I'm, always think that they're happy. The ones that always think that, you know, everything's fine. They're just, you know, two on the up and up. Check on those guys, too. You know? You just, you just don't know. Well said. And with that being said, remember that Attention is currency. You vote with your dollars. And even if you are a mark, make sure you leave a positive note. Make sure you leave a positive mark on this life. Wash you your hands. Cut, cut that back and we'll redo it again. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm done. <laughs> uh, salute to everyone. Uh, please have a safe Memorial Day. Probably the best thing that could happen in Chicago is the next four days are supposed to thunderstorms. <laughs> <laughs> please be safe don't be a fool wear your mask wear your gloves stay your ass in school <laughs> pick up a new trade <laughs> love you guys see you later night